As always, before we continue to study the unsearchable riches of Christ and submerge into the depths of the wisdom of God, the unchanging epigraph of our study of the Word of God in Jesus Christ is the book of Luke 24:44. Then Jesus said to his disciples, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which are written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms, concerning me, so that we as the participants of the body of Christ would share together with Christ all the things that are to be fulfilled that are written about him in scripture. We will continue to study our collaboration with the truth of the word of God and the Holy Spirit who reveals this word, this truth of God in the heart, looking at what we need to do from our side to receive the right to the power to put off our former way of life so that we can put on the new way of life. Ephesians 4:22 through 24, and this is not the only place of Scripture that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which is created in accordance to God in true righteousness and holiness. To fulfill this commanding order, we, as much as we know, have been studying three vital, charging, and fundamental acts, and these are to put off, be renewed, and put on. We have noted that it is specifically your decision regarding these three destiny-affecting acts, to put off, be renewed, and put on, that will determine whether you transform into a vessel of mercy or a vessel of wrath. More specifically, will the coming about of our salvation happen that is given to us in the format of a guarantee, or will we lose it forever, which will then result in our name being forever blotted out of the book of life. And the most tragic thing is that, for the most part, Christianity will be blotted out of the book of life although they were written there at one time and the reason for that is that they received salvation not in the format of a guarantee they receive it as they as they think as they've been taught in the format of fruit when God offers salvation in the format of a seed a guarantee you sow a seed if this seed bears fruit of salvation then you'll receive it the seed can die also. The seed can be eaten. Instead of sowing uh, it, you can eat it and you won't have anything to sow. God gives us a seed. He gives for food and for sowing. And people don't understand that. They think that everything needs to be eaten. Do, to only utilize what is beneficial for them, not no one wants to uh, invest and plant to bring forth fruit. In a specific format, we've already studied the first two questions and stopped to study the third question. What conditions do we need to fulfill so that by the means of an, of an already renewed mind, we begin the process of clothing ourselves into the power of our new person who is created in accordance to God in Christ Jesus in righteousness and holy truth, relevant 
into clothing ourselves into the power of our new person, who contains the power of the resurrection of Christ and the all-armor of light, we've concluded that we really need God's help in the form of His redeeming mercy. The means of receiving any kind of help, this help demonstrated in the form of the inheritance of the mercies of God, is the armor of prayer or worship in spirit and in truth. We've noted that the genesis of prayer is inherent to the genesis of God as it's always existed and revealed itself where God abides. Therefore, the extent or degree of our knowledge as of the will of God which we are studying in the three functions to put off put off the old man, be renewed by the spirit of our mind, and clothe ourselves into our new person absolutely depends on the extent of our understanding of the genesis of prayer. Prayer is the language of God, the means given to us by God, and the legitimate right to communicate with God. This is specifically why the erection of an altar, identifying the state of the heart and motives of a worshiper of God, as well as the sacrifice that is brought upon such an altar that identifies the legit and rightful status of prayer, belonged exclusively to the those people that were clothed into the rightful virtue and status of a priest. <coughs> and these are not, again, infants in Christ or people of the flesh that as they've overfilled the churches during the apostolic times, they also today, no one wants to come out of this spiritual infancy or pay and pay the appropriate price. Those that are of the flesh consider themselves spiritual and uh, mock and persecute the spiritual ones, thinking they're the ones that are lost. A person that is clothed into the rank and virtue of a priest is a person that is clothed into the virtue of a legitimate median. This person is trusted by God with the right by the means of legitimate prayer that satisfies the demands of his will and what is his language to approach God and enter into the presence of God in order to present God's rights and God's interests that are demonstrated in his will. One of these prayers is written in the 143rd Psalm of David, and the psalm opens up the conditions based upon which a person is called to form a legitimate foundation for God so that God's mercy may intervene into his life as well as the boundaries of those areas that we rule over, that we carry responsibility for before God. The psalm has become the subject of our next studies. An individual person does not carry responsibility for the whole earth, and especially for India or Africa or any other country, Mexico, or for their own country, or their city, or their church. They carry respons responsibility for themselves, and if they have a family, for their family. If they are a leader of a specific group of people, then only for that specific group is he responsible. He carries responsibility uh, uh, before the neighbors that you live next to, the colleagues that you work with, so that you are a light to them. And so this prayer has become the prayer, its essence has become our prayer, the prayer of people that have prepared their heart to rapture. Hear my prayer, O Lord, give ear to my supplications. In your faithfulness answer me, and in your righteousness do not enter into judgment with your servant, for in your sight no one living is righteous. 
For the enemy has persecuted my soul. He has crushed my life to the ground. He has made me dwell in darkness like those who have long been dead. Here it's talking about the old person, the reigning sin inside of man, as well as those people that surround us, the wicked and lawless, those of the flesh, and infants in Christ as well. Therefore, my spirit is overwhelmed within me. My heart within me is distressed. I remember the days of old. I meditate on all your works. I muse on the works of your hands. I spread out my hands to you. My soul longs for you like a thirsty land. Answer me speedily, O Lord. My spirit fails. Do not hide your face from me, lest I be like those who go down into the pit. Cause me to hear your loving kindness in the morning, for in you do I trust. If you pay attention here, not to see the mer- uh, loving, loving kindness, but to hear it, because faith is from hearing. Cause me to know the way in which I should walk, for I lift up my soul to you. Deliver me, O Lord, from my enemies. In you I take shelter. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Your spirit is good. Lead me in the land of uprightness. Revive me, O Lord, for your name's sake. For your righteousness' sake, bring my soul out of trouble. In your mercy, cut off my enemies and destroy all those who afflict my soul, for I am your servant. The phrase, cause me to hear your loving kindness in the morning, indicates in Scripture the early morning that follows the dark night this symbolizes the resurrection of Christ which we can see in the law of the spirit of life which is called to deliver our body from the law of sin and death and so destroy the stronghold of death within our body and direct the stronghold of the resurrection of Christ in its place in order for David as well as for us to hear the mercy of God early in the power of the resurrection of Christ as a result of the given to us by God redemption that is in Christ Jesus and by Christ Jesus it was necessary for David and necessary for us to present God a legitimate foundation or a specific right that is supposed to be imprinted upon the tablets of our heart. And such a legitimate foundation upon the tablets of our heart in the given prayer are ten unique in their nature arguments, identified as the governing and almighty words of God, converted into promises that we are to present to God as the consistency of our heart, telling God, hear me in your faithfulness and your righteousness, hear me for the sake of remembering the days of old, and all of the works that you have done in those old days. Hear me, for I spread out my hands to you. Hear me, for in you do I trust. Hear me, for I lift up my soul to you. To lift up your soul is possible only upon an altar. This is to present your soul upon an altar. Hear me, because in you I take shelter. Hear me, for you are my God. Hear me for your name's sake. Hear me for your righteousness' sake. And hear me, because I am your servant. Not everyone or all people have the right to mercy only those that are children of God and that category of the children of God that is able to repent when they sin, not covers it, 
but repents in it. In the previous services, we already looked at the nature of the first argument and stopped to study the second argument. This is evidence that David's heart contained memories of the days of old and all of the works that were done by God in those old days, which David confessed and presented in prayer. We have noted that the symbol of this evidence is the breastplate of judgment of the high priest, which was an item of unique and continual remembrance before God, identifying with itself the legitimate example of continual prayer with which we as kings and priests of the new covenant are to approach God in Christ Jesus and constantly be in communication with him. And this breastplate of judgment was created for and served only one element within the heart of man, one sacral truth. This is the Urim and Thummim, the presence of which allowed God to hear man and allowed man to hear God. In other words, the Urim and Thummim are specific towers within a wall that we are to build. A wall in scripture is a symbol of perfection and these towers in this wall are the ability to hear what God will say in my heart. And this is what gives God the proper basis to speak to us. The symbol of the breastplate of judgment discovers itself in the conscience of a man that is cleansed from dead works, upon the tablets of whom, in the twelve names of the patriarchs, the example of the status of legitimate prayer is in accordance to the demands of the elementary principles of Christ. It is specifically what is within our conscience is what God will speak. You need to give God the means, the tool, tools, the means of communication. This is the elementary principles of Jesus Christ that is in the, in the conscience. And then God takes those words and speaks to us with them. God doesn't speak directly with our mind. He speaks into our spirit, into our conscience. And then it passes on this information through the intuition into our mind upon the condition that our mind is renewed. If our mind is not renewed, then he will never agree to acknowledge uh, or accept the power of that mind. The 12 gold settings into which the precious stones were placed with the names of the patriarchs is the ruling truth of the elementary principles of Christ which identified the order of the given law of God in righteousness and holy truth that we as worshippers of God are called to demonstrate before the face of God in the legitimate foundation or basis of our continual prayer the twelve precious stones with engraved upon them as a signet names of the sons of Israel is a symbol and format of our continual prayer presenting with itself the perfect judgments of God contained in the elementary principles of Christ and the judgments of God are called to justify us and protect us they're not called to condemn the children of God they're called to condemn our enemies and defend us from our enemies and for us God's judgments are to justify us with this we conclude that it wasn't the golden settings in the form of the truth of the word of God that were adjusted in size and configuration to the precious stones but the precious stones in the form of our prayers are the ones that were adjusted and are called to be adjusted in size and configuration to fit the golden settings of truth this 
is a difficult work or a difficult job to formulate your prayer in such a way so that it perfectly fit into the golden setting. This golden setting has a specific form that it needs to fit, which is why the revelation of God in the form of the Urim symbolizing the Holy Spirit can only exist within the boundaries of the truth, which in the heart of a man is the Thummim, demonstrating the principles of Jesus Christ that came in the flesh. As it is written, I have put wisdom in the hearts of all the gifted artisans that they may make all that I have commanded you. Exodus 31.6 I will remind us that God will never put place his wisdom into a foolish heart. A foolish heart is a heart that does not have the elementary principles of Jesus Christ. This is a heart where a vessel is empty, there's no oil, from which the lamp of our spirit could burn. The friendship in a specific format, we've already looked at seven qualities that the heart of a warrior in prayer possesses in the first seven precious stones of the breastplate of judgment by which God can continually bring about his will upon planet earth. And stop to study the eighth quality and the eighth precious stone upon the breastplate of judgment of our heart presented in the virtue of the precious agate stone. The name carved upon the second precious stone of the breastplate of judgment located in the third row from the bottom is the name of Asher. His na- he is the eighth son of Jacob and his name means a captive of blissfulness or blessing. Leah's servant Zilpah bore Jacob a second son. Then Leah said, How happy I am. The women will call me happy. So she named him Asher. Genesis 30, 12-13. We will remember that when translated from the Greek word agat, it means blessed, which absolutely corresponds to the meaning of the name Asher, a captive of bliss or blessing written upon the stone. The name of God presented in the precious agate, according to the conclusions of a Jewish rabbinate, is El Elyon, which means most high. This directs to the unlimited and sovereign authority or power of God in his unlimited expanse, which he fills with himself due to his omnipresence, as well as the created by him visible and invisible creation. Because the omnipresence of God is identified by the fact that he, at the same time or simultaneously, is in the in, in present time, past and future. God does not have a past or a future, if you've received something, then it's uh, what is pretty much present time. Although we live in these mortal bodies, but if we've received the promise that belongs to the door of our hope, then God already sees our body. He sees this as a factor of our righteousness and accounts this to us as righteousness. And it's only time that remains which he has uh, put in his own authority. But in his eyes, this has already come to pass because he is present in the future also. And so even in these three 
elements of time, he is eternal. According to the meaning of the name Asher, the eighth principle in the foundation of our continual prayer is the function demonstrated in our voluntary dependence of becoming a blessed captive of God so that we with our prayer would collaborate with the name of God Most High. Relevant to the subject, we have already studied a series of parables and events that we became familiar with and their conditions. We learned that we can fulfill these conditions by the name of God Most High and destroy the stronghold of death within our body in the form of, our re of reigning sin in our body, this reigning sin identified as the essence of our old person with his deeds, so that we could cast him from out of our body to hell with noise, and afterwards erect the stronghold of the kingdom of heaven in the form of the stronghold of eternal life in the place of the stronghold of death within our body. And stop to look at the next condition. This condition consists in the 18th Psalm of David, where the Holy Spirit, with the right that he alone has, reveals the conditions based upon which we are called to collaborate our faith prayer with the name of God El Elyon or God Most High and this condition consists so that in the circumstances of our hardship or being in a tight place by casting off the old man with his deeds we can call upon the Most High as to our God and confess the faith of our hearts stating who God is to us in Jesus Christ what God has done for us in Jesus Christ and who we are to God in Jesus Christ that we actually are not just relatives we are relatives but to say better we are family we are, he, we are his children he is our father this is very important because when we don't confess this our body and our soul don't know about it you need to always tell her about it and keep her calm that she is a child of God and that he is her father and that not looking at the fact that the body doesn't experience or see him God surrounds this body and is always with your body and then your body will be at rest tell your soul and your body these things and then your illnesses will start departing from you as well we have noted that the story is one of the most powerful and voluminous symbols where this uh, 18th psalm that shows the collaboration of our renewed mind as the king uh, David and the, and the confrontation of our renewed mind with uh, our carnal mind in the form of King Saul together with reigning sin in the form of our old person with his deeds. The psalm was written by David when God delivered him from the hand of his enemies all of his enemies and the hand of Saul also. Because it is by the means of the confession of the faith of our heart stating who God is to us in Jesus Christ and what God has done in Christ Jesus, what, who we are in Jesus Christ, God receives the required basis or grounds to join the battle for our earthly bodies in order to shame the old person by the power of his redemption and forever cast him out into hell with noise so that our body would have the greatness of God's house and immortality and incorruption. In character, the prayer psalm of David contains three parts, 
where we see an example of the character of legitimate prayer. The first part identifies the condition or state of David's heart or the altar that is sanctified. David's heart as a warrior in prayer, this condition of his heart was grounds for the legitimate status of his prayer. The second part reveals the consistency of legitimate prayer, which gave God the basis to deliver David from the hand of all of his enemies. And the third part describes the prayer battle itself, which surpasses the comprehension of the simple human mind, because it is presented in the format of an epic battle where a person collaborates with God. In a specific format, we've already looked at the first part and stopped to study the second part, which reveals the consistency of legitimate prayer in the eight names of God Most High. Prayer presented in eight names of God. <coughs> where our lot is contained, where our promises are, and where the order of God is. Getting to know and confessing the power contained in the heart of David in the eight following names of God allowed David to love and call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised to be saved from his enemies. And for God, discovering the truth, revealing the power of his names in the heart of David, provided God grounds to use his abilities that consist in his, na his eight names in battle against the enemies of David. And here are these verses, Psalm 18, 1 through 3. I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. The Lord is my strength. The Lord is my rock. The Lord is my fortress. The Lord is my deliverer. The Lord is my shield. The Lord is the horn of my salvation. The Lord is my stronghold. In a specific format, as much as the Lord has allowed in the measure of our faith, we already looked at the lot of our inheritance and the power contained in the strength as the name of God Most High, and have turned to look at our lot and the power of the name of God Most High Rock that an inner consistency contains an unearthly form of hardness that is inherent to the nature of our Heavenly Father and is not something that can be comprehended by the abilities of the simple human mind. We note that this nature of prayer where David confesses his inherited lot in the existing names of God Most High is purposed to be the calling and mantle of a king, a priest, and a prophet anointed by the Holy Spirit to rule over their earthly body, this great house in which God will eternally be. And if a person is not anointed to reign over his calling, that is his earthly body, and this is his calling, and not evangelism, that about which Christ said, what good is it that if a person gains the whole world but loses his soul? And so if a person is not anointed to reign over his calling, his earthly body, then this prayer is not. He's anointed. He's not anointed for the kingdom. And this prayer or any 
prayer of David will not be for him and will not benefit him. Therefore, the quality and lexis or vocabulary identifying a rock in the sense of the characteristic of hardness that we are studying has no relation to the definition of the word as it exists in the dictionaries of this world, since a rock in the sense of the characteristic of hardness is an identification and specification of the quality and nature of God exclusively. In scripture, the definition of the word rock as the characteristic hard relating to the natural quality of God Most High is illustrated in the following way. Resistant, and this refers also to the people of God. This is the inner consistency. You may have either an unhealthy spirit or an unhealthy mind. Here it's talking about the inner state of you. Resistant, strong, healthy, wise, tested or tried, rooted, well-established, immovable, constant, endless, continual, fearless, unquenchable, unpenetrating for sin, free from sin and independent from sin, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And, of course, led by the Holy Spirit. Here's the quality of a rock as it refers to the characteristic of hardness pertaining to the name of God Most High found in Scripture in these forms, that the mind of man wouldn't really think about or make a conclusion of. This is stone, cliff, a span with which God measures, a measuring wreath or a rod, heaviness, weight, and scales or scale plates. This means a specific weight by which you can determine the price and worth of the weight individual or item. Here it's not talking about physical weight, but a spiritual weight of a man. As it is written, who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, measured heaven with a span, and calculated the dust of the earth in a measure, weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance, who has directed the Spirit of the Lord as or as his counselor has taught him. With whom did he take counsel and who instructed him and taught him in the path of justice? Who taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding? What we're hearing right now, this is inside of a person, the mountains, the hills, the he- the heavens, and so forth. Behold, the nations are as a drop in a bucket and are counted as small as dust on the scales. Look, he lifts up the isles as a very little thing. Isaiah 40, 12 through 15. Therefore, the inherited lot contained in the power of the name of God, Rock, contains the ability of the Most High to judge, to measure or weigh upon the scales of his godly justice, all the made by him creation in order to reward or punish each according to their results what's in the body good and whether it's good or evil will that will that is what will be rewarded then the fingers of the hand were sent from him and this writing was written and this is the inscription that was written mene mene tekel ufar sin this is the interpretation of each word mene god has numbered your kingdom and finished it tekel you have been weighed in the balances and found wanting peres your king has been divided and given to the medes and persians Daniel 5:24 through 28 and we know 
that it was these words were spoken to Belshazzar. According to what we've learned here, to be clothed into the power of a rock of the Lord is to be clothed into the fear of the Lord, that is, into wisdom that comes from above, giving us the ability to judge or to weigh upon the scale plates of the Lord, first ourselves and those people that are under our responsibility. You shall not have in your bag differing weights, a heavy and a light. You shall not have in your house differing measures, a large and a small. You shall have a perfect and just weight, a perfect and just measure, that your days may be lengthened in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. For all who do such things, all who behave unrighteously, are an abomination to the Lord your God. Deuteronomy 25, 13-25 Scale or scale plates of the Lord pertaining to the name of God, Rock, is the absolute power and ability of the Most High, identified as His wisdom, to fairly judge or weigh all of the made-by-Him creation, so that each one weighed upon the, uh, the plates of these scales receives his reward according to his results. Weights of the Most High are commandments and statutes of the Most High, according to which He judges or weighs upon the scale plates of justice the made by him creation. Therefore, to possess the power of the Most High, consisting in his name Rock, is to possess power to the right to judge yourself and judge those people we carry responsibility for within the parameters of the commandments and statutes of the Lord, or to weigh your words and actions upon the scale plates of justice of the Most High, as well as the words and actions of those people that we we carry responsibility for. And to apprehend and be clothed into the unearthly virtue of a rock in the sense of the characteristic hardness contained in the name of God Most High, which satisfies our hunger and thirst and gives us power over our calling we came to the necessity to look at four classical questions. First, what in essence is the characteristic of hardness? What purpose is the characteristic of hardness? What price do we need to pay in order to clothe or be clothed into the characteristic of hardness? And fourth, by what <coughs> results do we judge that we truly possess the characteristic of hardness, consisting in the power of rock as the name of God Most High? We have noted that all of the names of God discover themselves in each other because they are dissolved one in the other, come one from the other, and demonstrate one themselves one in the other, empowering one the other, and identify the truthful nature of one the other. Therefore, in the given psalm of David, the eight names of God Most High are presented in the form of a sequence, where each succeeding name is a demonstration of the previous name or discovers itself in the following after itself name. In a specific format, we've already looked at first two questions and stopped to study the third question. We need to put all of our effort to study all of the names of God and their meanings. In a specific format, again, we looked at the first two questions and stopped to study the third question. What price do we need to pay in order to have the right to be clothed or clothe our spirit into the characteristic of the hardness of God so that God would receive the legitimate basis to keep us in his perfect peace? 
As it is written, you will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you, Isaiah 26.3. In a specific format, we've already looked at the price of two conditions that, when fulfilled, clothes our spirit into this hardness, the rock of the Lord. Therefore, we will continue to study the third condition, the price of the first condition to the right to possess the quality of the hardness of God within our spirit consists in planting ourselves into the house of the Lord. The price of the second condition for the right to possess the quality of the hardness of God within our spirit consists in dealing graciously with the vessels of mercy. The price of the third condition for the right to possess the quality of the hardness of God within our spirit is to walk in the ways of the Lord. Then it shall be, if you heed all that I command you, walk in my ways and do what is right in my sight, to keep my statutes and my commandments, as my servant David did, then I will be with you and build for you an enduring house, as I built for David and will give Israel to you. 1 Kings 11.38 we have noted that an enduring house is a symbol of our body freed or liberated from the control of sin that will become great and glorious and will become the house of God. <clears throat> and so that God can build our body into an enduring house, it is necessary for, for us to walk in God's ways and do <clears throat> what is right in His sight, keeping His statutes and His commandments as the servant of the Lord David did. However, in order to know the way of the commandments and statutes of the Lord, just, just casting off the old man from ourselves isn't enough. It is necessary to do two more things that David did in order to provide God proper bases to build him an enduring house. The first thing to do to provide God proper grounds to build our body into an enduring house is like, is like David enter and live in the stronghold called Zion. And to enter and live in the stronghold Zion, we like David need to take the stronghold by fighting for it or by the way of battle. Nevertheless, David took the stronghold of Zion, that is the city of David, then David dwelt in the stronghold and called it the city, called it the city David, city of David. And David built all around from Milo and inward. So David went on and became great, and the Lord God of hosts was with him. Then Hiram, king of Tyre, sent messengers to David, and cedar trees, and carpenters, and masons, and they built David a house. So David knew that the Lord had established him as king. The symbol of the stronghold Zion, which belonged to Judah and Benjamin, but was being ruled by the Jebusites, and the city that David <coughs> took by the way of battle enter entered the, then entered and lived in it and named it the city of David or his own city, this city is to be viewed as our body. The Jebusites who rule over our body that by the method of a casted lot was called to become the city of David is to be viewed as the aspect of our feelings, our body being controlled by our feelings. To battle against the Jebusites who rule over our body with the power of the corrupt desires of our soul being supported by the organized powers of darkness means receive into your heart the revelation about the destruction of the stronghold of death within our body and erection of the stronghold of, of life that is within our body. And afterwards, by the revelation of the faith, <coughs> consider yourself dead to sin and living for God, proclaiming the not existent as existent. The confession of such a goal-oriented faith will, will give God the proper grounds to acknowledge the promise given to us about the destruction of the stronghold of death within our body and the erection of the stronghold of life within our body. And when the time comes 
desires to fulfill these promises here on earth, which the Heavenly Father has put in His own authority, then our bodies, in literal terms, will become free from the control of the law of sin and death that is in our body and still and still here on earth in literal sense or literal terms the word of prophet Hosea will come to pass I will ransom them from the power of the grave I will redeem them from death O death I will be your plague O grave I will be your destruction pity is hidden from my eyes. Second, in order to provide God proper grounds to build our body into an enduring house, we like David need to cling to the testimonies of God so we may be taught his statutes and to be taught the statutes of God we like David need to be clothed into the virtue of a student of Christ in order to provide the messengers of Hiram the opportunity to build us an enduring house. Blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes. I have chosen the way of truth. <coughs> your judgments I have laid before me. I cling to your testimonies, O Lord. Do not put me to shame. I will run the course of your commandments, for you shall enlarge my heart. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I shall keep it to the end. Give me understanding, and I shall keep your law. Indeed, I shall observe it with my whole heart where it says, Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I shall keep it to the end. I will run the course of your commandments. That means when my heart will begin to bear fruit, when our heart does not begin, or if our heart does not begin to bear fruit, uh, then we will not be able to be running the course of God's commandments. We need to keep in mind that the stronghold of Zion represents our body upon one condition, and that is if we have an organic membership to the stronghold of Zion in the form of a virtuous wife. Who can find a, vir a virtuous wife? For her worth is far above rubies. In in this proverb, this virtuous wife is Zion, the joy of all the earth that the Lord is proud of. Who can find a virtuous wife, for her worth is far above rubies. The heart of her husband safely trusts her, so he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and willingly works with her hands. She is like the merchant ships. She brings her food from afar. She also rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and a portion for her maidservants. She considers a field and buys it. For her profits, she plants a vineyard. She girds herself with strength and strengthens her arms. She perceives that her merchandise is good and her lamp does not go out by night. She stretches out her hand to the distaff and her hand holds the spindle. She extends her hand to the poor. Yes, she reaches out her hand to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household. For all her household is clothed with uh, clothed with ha with scarlet. She makes tapestry for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies sashes for the merchants. Strength and honor are her clothing. She <coughs> shall rejoice in time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom and on her tongue is the law of kindness. She watches over the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, he praises her. Many daughters have done well, but she excels them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is passing, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. 
give her of the fruits of her hands, and let her own works praise her in the gates. Proverbs 31, 10-31 The good that the virtuous wife does is everything that comes from the will of God, inspired by the Holy Spirit, and can be tested and examined by the written word of God. Evil in Scripture is called all the good and all of the services that come from the desire of a man. And though I bestow all all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have no love, it profits me nothing. 1 Corinthians 13.3 A virtuous wife in scripture is only that church of saints who is led by a person that is clothed by the Holy Spirit with the power of a Father of God, and only those people who have an organic membership to such a church. To examine the church of saints as well as yourself, checking on the endurance or enduring essence of a virtuous wife is possible by the signs that the, that are indicated in Scripture. In the given place of Scripture, there are 20 signs which provide God proper basis to build our body into an enduring house together these 20 signs come one from the other discover themselves one in the other and identify the legitimacy of one the other in a specific format we already already looked at 12 signs therefore we will immediately turn to study the 13th sign the 13th sign the good of a virtuous wife is that her husband is in the gates and he sits among the elders of the land The actual translation of the given phrase is she makes her husband known when he sits at the gate with the elders of the land. He's not just uh, known, she makes him known. To be to be known at the gate of the land amongst the elders of the land means to be the head of the elders of the land. He is the head of the elders of the land. To understand this mysterious characteristic of the virtuous wife into which we need to clothe our body in order to destroy within our body the stronghold of death and erect the stronghold of eternal life in its place, it is necessary for us to understand what in our body is the gate of the land Who are the elders of the land who sit at these gates within our body, and what role do the elders of the land have together with our husband? The gates of the city in the olden days were the place where all kinds of issues were dealt with and all conflicts were resolved. hate evil love good establish justice in the gate it may be that the Lord God of hosts will be gracious to the remnant of Joseph Amos 5.15 therefore to sit at the gate means to decide and protect when judgment is judgment is needed or a case decide the case of the poor and lowly one uh, to the poor and lowly one and decide on a verdict for their enemy in this situation the poor and lowly one is our body who is in dependence of the reigning in its sin in the form of the old person being supported by the organized powers of darkness the gates of the land within our body is our mouth which are the commanding which is the commanding post or commanding point called to direct or control our body set a guard O Lord over my mouth keep watch over the door of my lips do not incline my heart to any evil thing to practice wicked work with men who work with men who work iniquity and do not let me eat of their delicacies Psalm 141 3 4 to defend the case of the poor and lowly one 
lowly one during a trial at the gate of our city in the form of our body is to confess the faith of God with our mouth that abides within our heart in the format of promises called to adopt our body by the redemption of Christ Jesus. The elders of the land that sit at the gate within our body together with our husband is the spectrum of the commandments and statutes of the Most High which abides within our heart and are seated at the gate of our mouth. And so, this virtuous wife, <coughs> when she begins to speak, these will be the judgments of God. A virtuous wife makes her husband known by, the, by presenting his interests and fulfilling his will by the power of the Holy Spirit, whom she in her time received into her heart as the Lord and Master of her life. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Acts 1.8 The role that the elders of the land are called to fulfill together with our husband is to implement the spectrum of commandments and statutes of the Most High in order to provide the Most High legitimate reason to destroy within our body the stronghold of death and erect the stronghold of life in its place. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the for the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Romans 10, 9, 10. Every time we confess Jesus is our Lord, and with our heart we believe that God raised him from the dead, we provide the representatives of the king of Tyre proper reason to build our body into an enduring house. 14. The good of a virtuous wife is she makes linen garments and sells them and supplies sashes for the merchants. As it is written, she makes linen garments and sells them and supplies sashes for the merchants. In this place of scripture, the word linen garments in Hebrew means sindon. <coughs> this is an interior, this is the interior clothing from thin uh, linen material which are holy garments and they symbolize justification received freely according to grace by the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. At the same time, the verb sells in the given place of scripture in Hebrew means give yourself as a voluntary slave of righteousness. Therefore, the phrase she makes linen garments and sells them means she confirms her justification received by the gift of grace and subjects the member of her, members of her body as tools of righteousness. Sashes that the virtuous wife in the form of our new person supplies to the merchants is the truth of the elementary principles of Christ. The symbol of the Phoenician merchants in our is our mind placed in voluntary dependence of the spirit of our mind, which is the mind of Christ in our spirit. What brings forth the promises of God to our heart are these Phoenician ships, our mind. That's where words are formed and we state them with our mouth and they are returned into our spirit. It is specifically by the means of our mind, confessing the faith of God abiding within our heart, our phrase is formed logically and sensibly and is expressed by the use of our mouth. When we confirm our justification that is received by the gift of grace and subject the members of our body as tools of righteousness, we provide the representatives of the King of Tyre the ability to build our body into an enduring house. 15. The good of a virtuous wife is reflected in the strength and honor of her clothing, giving her the ability to rejoice in time to come. 
As it is written, strength and honor are her clothing, she shall rejoice in time to come. Considering that the word clothing is the given place in the given place of scripture in Hebrew means a cloud of darkness that covers the sea. We conclude that the virtuous wife has the virtue of a cloud of the Most High, which are the glory of God in which uh, which abide in which uh, God abides and into which God dresses and from which God speaks which upon practice means that a person abides in within the essence of the Thummim and Urim and the Urim and Thummim abides within him thus God determined to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel and so it's not important what's happening outwardly confirmed it by an oath that by two immutable things into in which it is impossible for God to lie we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us this hope we have is an anchor of the soul both sure and steadfast and which enters the presence behind the veil where the forerunner has entered for us even Jesus having become high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek Hebrews 6 17 through 20 when our sea with prideful waves that is our lust that rise against us we can gladly or joy, uh, joyfully look into the future because we abide in the revelation that is called to adopt our body by the redemption of Christ and consider ourselves dead to sin living for God calling the non-existent or proclaiming the non-existent as existent or who shut the shut in the sea with doors and when it burst forth and issued from the womb when I made the clouds its garment and thick darkness its swaddling band when I fixed my limit for it and set bars and doors when I said this far you may come but no further and he, here your proud waves must stop Job 38 through 11 this is what happens in our body the elders together with Christ which is at the door of our mouth every time when our sea with its uh, proudful waves rises against us and we gladly look into the future looking at the promise that is called to adopt our body by the redemption of Christ we provide the delegation or the representatives of the king of Tyre the ability to build our body into an enduring house 16. The good of a virtuous wife is that she opens her mouth with wisdom, and on her tongue is the law of kindness. And so her tongue in and on her tongue is the law of kindness is an expression of wisdom that comes from above which can come from the heart in no other way but only in the fruit uh, by the fruit of the tree of life Matthew 11 28 through 30 come to me all you you who labor and are heavy laden I will give you rest take my yoke upon you and learn from me I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light and so so this uh, law of kindness is called to restrain our emotional aspect of our soul so that we can use it then as a horse to be a to be able to ride uh, so that we can ride ride it and uh, ride it toward God's goals 
Proverbs 15:4 A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. Proverbs 3.13.18 Happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her and happy are all who retain her. When we, when our mouth becomes a rod of the Most High, we provide the representatives of the King of Tyre the ability to build our body into an enduring house. 17. The good of a virtuous wife she is she watches over the way of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness her children rise up and call her blessed her husband also and he praises her as it is written she watches over the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness her children rise up and call her blessed and her husband also and he praises her to watch after or over the uh, your household is to stand guard of the faith of God abiding within our heart which is a carrier and fulfiller of our calling that leads us to God's specific goal. Look to yourself that we do not lose those things we worked for, but that we may receive a full reward. Second John 1 8. What are we working for so that we are adopted by the redemption of Jesus Christ? And so when it says she rises up means that to raise up from the ruins, confirm or uh, bring, for, ba bring back to life or to con uh, confirm and establish the truth in the heart and to fulfill your purpose or your calling. When it says her children call her blessed means that by the means of the fruit of our mouth proclaiming to God the perfection of his redemption we will then rise from the ruins so that we can fulfill our purpose and erect within our body the stronghold of life. Therefore do not cast away your confidence which has great reward for you have need of endurance so that after you have done the will of God you may receive the promise for yet a little while and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith but if anyone draws back my soul has no pleasure in him but we are not of those who draw back in perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. Hebrews 10, 35-39. The phrase, her husband praises her, means he, her husband weighs her upon the scale plates of justice and finds her faithful, which gives him the proper basis to lead her into the atmosphere of his upright joy. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Matthew 25, 23. Every time we stand guard of God's faith, abiding within our heart, that leads us to God's goals, we provide the representatives of the king of Tyre the ability to build our house in or our body into an enduring house <clears throat> 18 the good of a, virtu a virtuous wife is that amongst the many virtuous women she has excelled them all as it is written many daughters have done well but you excelled them all 
The reason she excels is that she comprehends the love of Christ and, that, and she is filled with all the fullness of God. That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all of the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all of the fullness of God. Ephesians 3, 16 through 19. When we obtain God's love, we provide the representatives of the King of Tyre to build our body into an enduring house. 19th, the good of a virtuous wife is that she fears the Lord and is deserving of the praise of God and man. As it is written, a charm is deceitful and beauty is passing, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Having the fear of the Lord in the heart is having the wisdom that comes from above, which identifies the heart of man as the kingdom of heaven that has come in strength, which is not in food and drink, but righteousness, peace and joy, and the Holy Spirit. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he who serves Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved by men. Romans 14, 17, 18. And so when we don't have the goal of materialistically becoming rich, but have the goal to seek the kingdom of heaven, which is not food and drink. And when we turn to righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, then this is good to Christ. And so every time when the fear of the Lord is within our heart or is discovered in our heart in righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, we provide the representatives of the King of Tyre the ability to build our house into an enduring house or our body into an enduring house. 20. The good of a virtuous wife consists in her receiving the fruits of the works of her hands which will praise her in the gate. As it is written, give her of the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. The essence of this place is the one that works in the field is the one that will taste the first fruits. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. And also if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer must be first to partake of the crops. Consider that I say and may the Lord give you understanding in all these things. 2 Timothy 2, 4 through 7. In this way she will eat of the fruits of her labor. And in other words, her confessions will glorify her. And so to be in, in the essence, according to the essence of a virtuous wife, is to be a warrior in prayer and this means to make sure that you enter through the narrow gate where many will seek and not be able to then one said to him Lord are there few who are saved and he said to them strive to enter through the narrow gate for many I say to you will seek to enter and will not be able to when once the master of the house has risen up and shut the door and you begin to stand outside and knock at the door saying Lord Lord open for us and he will answer and say to you, I do not know you. Where are you from? 
Then you will begin to say, We ate and drank in your presence, and you taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know you. Where are you from? Depart me, b- depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. There will be a weeping and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, and yourselves thrusted out. They will come from the east and the west, from the north and the south, and sit down in the kingdom of God. And indeed, there are last who will be first, and there are first who will be last. And so when it says pasture, this is something that is a place where you will uh, feed your flocks. That is finding the narrow gate, which means a place or a church of saints where food is preached for becoming perfect and in maturity, spiritual maturity. And so entering through the narrow gate and exiting the narrow gate to the pasture, this is well illustrated in the Ark of the Covenant or Ark of Salvation. If Noah would not have come out of the Ark of Salvation, then this Ark would be a tragic uh, result for him. That will happen with many Christian people. The gates of the ancient cities were the main place where together with kings, many of the elders of the city would sit and were the ones that proclaimed laws and God's statutes. And so the narrow gate, the house of God, is the Son of God as the head of of his house, this narrow gate. This is his truth that he preaches. At the same time, the pasture is the body of Jesus Christ in the form of his church. His church is that pasture, but only that church that is in accordance to the demands of a virtuous wife. The wide gates is an unfaithful teaching of Christ or an unfaithful representation of Christ. At the same time, the wide way are separate people and separate churches that mix the things of men with the things of God, his truth. Against our human logic, Jesus called liberty from from sin the Uh, narrow gate and so the phrase where it says narrow gate is that by them you can only go if you're not in your own personal garments your own personal righteousness which means by entering the narrow gate you can't bring any of your own clothing or your own personal interests that it includes also the sinful conduct passed down from our parents passing through the narrow gate We need to be in accordance to the nature of the narrow gate. And so, in order to enter through the narrow gate, it is necessary, first of all, to differentiate the narrow gate from the wide gate. And also, for the right to enter through the narrow gate, it is necessary for us to cast off of ourselves our clothing that has become naked and put on new garments that are that are given by God. Third, for the right to enter through the narrow gate, it is necessary to consciously refuse anything else or any inheritance or anything that's not in accordance to these narrow gates. The right to enter through the narrow gate, it is necessary to place yourself into the nature of the narrow gate and 
place the nature of the narrow gate into your heart. In other words, in order to, th- to enter through the narrow gate, it is necessary to allow the Holy Spirit to clothe us with His power and to receive Him then as one who will dwell forever in ourselves as the Lord and Master. In order to abide upon the narrow gate, it is necessary to constantly be vigilant and stand, stand guard of God's commandments. To differentiate the narrow from the wide gate is, uh, is the goal that God has placed for us in Jesus Christ that we are to obtain by Christ and through Christ. If our goal is a, a cloudless and a rich uh, life in the flesh, then we will exploit spiritual principles for our own benefit. Those leaders who lead people through the wide gate is a wide uh, point of view where they try to fit the interests of the flesh with the interests of the spirit. As there is saying, as there is a saying, to keep the sheep fed and happy, but the flesh is, or the flesh is, uh, is a uh, is a wolf uh, that is in the way that is utilizing again spiritual principles uh, for our own personal benefit. In Galatians it's written, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whoever sows into the uh, flesh will reap from the flesh. Who will sow into the Spirit will reap everlasting life. Galatians 6, 7, 8. The wide gate that leads to death are the gates of hell, which is Antichrist, who presents himself as Christ through the preachers uh, that are of the flesh. And what they preach is partial truth, which is pretty, pretty much a pretty much, uh, symbol of the harlot who sits on the beast who gave drink to the nations. The narrow gate that leads into eternal life is the Son of God, Jesus Christ, and His truth, His principles. The narrow gate that leads it to eternal life is the way of the commandments and statutes of the Lord, which is wine that is mixed with wisdom. And so this is the woman who, the wife who is clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet resurrection of life these narrow gate uh, which is the narrow gate as your heart and so it says keep your heart above all things in scripture and proverbs and so resurrection of life in the form of the narrow gate is a life in peace for us. The resurrection of life in the form of the narrow gate is called to be identified as the life of Christ within ourselves, written in 2 Corinthians 4.10. And so deadness 
is the dead to sin. When you're dead to sin, then you're living for God. When you're living for sin, then you're dead to God. Resurrection of life as this narrow gate is the ability to search the scriptures, search the scriptures for by them you think to have eternal life, but they testify of me. But you do not want to have in yourself life. That's why you do not come to me. That's what Jesus says sorrowfully. John 5, 39 through 40. Resurrection of life as these narrow gates is sowing the tithes into the spirit who will sow of who will sow into the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption who sows into the spirit will reap everlasting life galatians 6 8 and so again bringing your tithes to god seeking his kingdom and his power resurrection of life in the form of the narrow gate is called to be identified as hatred toward your soul those who love their soul will lose it and those who hates their life in this world will save it John 12 25 they will receive it in a new form you will lose it and receive it in a new form so when your soul in the form of your mind will be able to place itself in complete dependence of the mind of Christ seventh the resurrection of life in the form of these narrow gates is called to be identified as keeping yourself in the love of God keep yourself in the love of God waiting for mercy from the Lord our Lord Jesus Christ Jude 1.21 and so every time when we enter through the narrow gate we provide the representatives of the King of Tyre to build our body into an enduring house and so not having having the essence of a virtuous wife or these narrow gates, we will never be able to receive salvation, we will lose it. Amen. Let us bend our knees and pray and thank God for the word that we were able to receive today. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I thank you again and again upon this blessed by you place where you in a miraculous way have done your work that in this place your saints would be able to worship that this place be your house of prayer and not a theater we thank you for your word that upon this place rises us out from the ruins to the resurrection of Christ and when your children see themselves are in many waters and in a strong current of these waters their lusts and their passions their desires they see there's no way out there's no hope there's no salvation you give them the opportunity from these ruins out of these waters to come out when they are being obedient to the truth begin with their mouth to confess that they are dead to sin living for God and begin to proclaim faith 
of who they are in you, what you have done for them, who they are for you, proclaiming the non-existent as existent, which gives you proper purpose, reason to take these words, then to take them and save them from their destructive desires and lusts. This is the most fearful thing in a, in a person that comes to you who clothe their, all of their lusts and ambitions into religious titles but you've allowed us to become naked before you just like Adam did to cast off these leaves of pseudo-righteousness and say Lord save me I am, dis- I am perishing not looking at the fact that we've received salvation we will not be able to keep it in our own hands because the strong current of destructive desires in our body carries us away from you and when you see and hear this then you by the power of your Holy Spirit begin to lead battle against our against our enemies for our bodies thank you that you have taught us when we fall to rise up again you call us righteous when we fall and when we rise again the devil doesn't like this because in the service of condemnation where he holds your nation he says if you fell then you have lost your righteousness you no longer are righteous therefore you also then are not a child of God but you said the righteous may fall seven times but he will rise again we continue to be your children even when we sin or we've committed a sin we are still your own we acknowledge your authority we will not sin knowing that we are called to be your own we will not continue to remain in sin every time we will commit a sin we'll run to you into your arms so that you can deliver us from the power of sin that produces death may your inheritance be blessed may it be delivered from the power of corrupt lusts and desires that has bore all forms of difficulty that have pushed people into obstacles and illnesses and untimely death also thank you father that we have received your promise that belongs to the the door of our hope it lives within our heart it abides in our heart and is the stronghold of life for us thank you that we already have this and that you account this as righteousness to us we rejoice and look joyfully into the future because it is beautiful because we trust not upon our own strength but who you are for us and what you have done for us thank you for this great privilege to this for this great gift that you have turned to our bodies that were nothing and laying in the dust you rose them out from the dust and made them your great house and may they be this way now and forever we worship before your great God Son and Holy Spirit Amen our Father in heaven hallowed be your name 
Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And now let us proclaim our unchanging manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior who alone is wise be glory and majesty dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.